Hello, spacers. Welcome to Starlight, a space opera. I'm Isaac, your host and GM for the adventures ahead. This show, whether you're watching or listening, is a labor of love, and one that we want to make the best for you. So if you can, take a moment to freely subscribe or share however is most comfortable for you. Thanks. Now let's plot a course to Starlight. Hi guys, welcome to Starlight, this very special episode. We are bringing in a new guest, and this is going to be her prologue episode. I am so pleased and excited to have Eris in the studio. Um, and she has an amazing character, and I can't wait to see how it intertwines into the story with the Spacers. But before that, Eris, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you like what your hobbies are, what you do for work, and how you came along to finding that passion and hobby of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, that, yeah, oh, wow, that's... I don't think I've ever received an introduction that uh, <laughs> that powerful. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> hey, I mean, I'll take that's a compliment. Thank yeah. you. Um, yeah, uh, so I'm Eris. I've, uh, I've actually known uh, Isaac and um, one of the other spacers, Sam, for uh, more than half of our lives at this point. Um, and, uh, Isaac actually was my very first DM way back during middle school. Oh my gosh. Um, a certain, a certain table, a certain, uh, role-playing game that I don't know if he, uh, if I'm allowed to speak of it anymore. But, you, uh, you, you can, you can, you can totally speak of it. It had um, numerous flaws. It, it was a, it was a Legend of Zelda themed, uh, D&D game. You hear that? Themed. themed. So I can't get sued for that. Yes. <laughs> um, and that was, that was my very first time ever doing a tabletop RPG um, I didn't really play a whole lot more until um, until after high school I got into um, got into like the you know podcasts and uh, you know found the hobby again um, and now uh, I DM uh, once a week and I play once a week in a game and uh, I've got you know new campaigns coming and going all the time and uh, D&D is very much a, a, a big hobby for me now um, as for what I do, um, I am in the process of starting my own business. Um, I am a luthier. I build musical instruments. Um, I've built a couple guitars and basses, and I'm teaching myself uh, how to make old world string instruments as well. Um, and beyond that, uh, I do music, I do D&D, and I run off into the woods. <laughs> That's pretty much my life. I mean, that's a pretty awesome life and later on i would love to dig in a little bit more into kind of what you're doing in terms of the, the luthier work and but for right now why don't we go ahead and jump into this episode of starlight all right It is a slow evening. It is the type of evening that wards off the summer's heat and is starting to bring on the fall chill. There is a crackle and the smell of a campfire. It is something primal that people all around the universe still do. That is sit around and tell stories by the glow of the embers and that is where we find ourselves we find ourselves on the planet of Ballastar, a earth analog planet a planet filled with great oceans and sweeping continents a verdant life great barren deserts and tall mountain peaks and we are not so concerned with the scope of it but more right in this little tiny gulf of this kelp rice paddy village, right around this fire, here and now. The voice of 
Tauntaun, the village storyteller and frequenter of almost every bar, now speaks to those who are willing to listen. He is balding, has eyes that are like pale gray, and a patchy facial hair that looks more like a poorly done uh, buzz cut that just managed to leave little pieces here and there. But when he speaks, everyone is enraptured. And tonight, he is telling, rather finishing, the story of the Kapawarabe, ancient beings who were said to once be the inheritors of Ballister. It is said that these beings lived beneath the ocean, and that before any man came up onto the continents, it was the Kapawarabe and their great kingdoms that ruled all things. Tantan stands and flourishes as he begins to tell the end of this great story, a parable. And as he's coming to the end of it, he says, and some might even suggest that they are still there deep below the ocean, watching, seeing what is to become of those along the Kashin Straits if they are ready to inherit their knowledge. But we disappoint them, and so they sleep from their great hollowed halls. There's some clapping. There is some people who just kind of look at him blankly. And all in all, the most pervading thing is the crackle of the fire. Out along the back of this group of people, probably about 20 or so, shunned backs turned to him we see uh hello uh my name is artixis uh, artixis albane and artixis as you are shunned behind everyone <laughs> but you much like everyone else you are there to hear a story and feel some amount of community even if it is at the expense of being five feet back from everyone what what do you look like um, Artixis is, um, he's a halfling and, uh, only about three foot two. Um, so can't really see, uh, over the crowd and, you know, see to the fire. Um, he is, uh, he has sort of a, a medium length, uh, scruffy brown hair, um, rather uneven, uh, patchy facial hair, um, and some rather plain looking brown eyes. Um, he has uh, a number of scars um, over his face and arms, uh, burns, cuts, uh, the signs of someone who has spent their entire life working in a number of uh, in a number of industries. As you are there and kind of give like a little polite clap to the story, Tantan sweeps off his head, just his worker's hat, wide and brimmed, made of straw, and begins to pass it around. It goes past you, and then someone, a younger child, who should probably be home at this hour, looks back, as, ch as children do, without the, 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 the stain of judgment on them. Looks both ways, and then comes over to you and hands you the hat. Here you go. Uh, thank you. I, uh, um... Uh, I, he digs through his coat a little bit and pulls out a couple of credits and drops them into the hat and passes it back to the child. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Ah, fellow back there. I knew you were worth something besides blowing things up. Well, that's what I'm known for best around here, I guess. <laughs> and slowly the crowd begins to disperse until eventually even Tauntaun takes one last look at the fire at you and gives you a wink and then leaves. And now it is just you and this fire that even the fire is beginning to dwindle away past the fire. Now with the crowd gone, you have a full view of this bay on which the village of, of Osmarian is built. What you see below you is 
a small kind of like uh, farming village. You can see the lights of various dwelling places kind of pocked in between some of the shorter trees that have been allowed to grow or be cultivated up to the beaches that lead into a bay. A bay that is filled with these strange plants that sprout about 10 feet up out of very shallow waters. Past those plants that are orderly lined up, you see this huge wall made of stone. It connects between two giant rocks that mark the ends of the bay. And normally, if the wall hadn't been there, you would see it open up into the greater strait. But this wall is there. This wall is a mix of kind of like an archaic dam that was built, but also is made to churn in some of the water and filter it into these plants, these, these kelp rice, that they can be cultivated to create a small translucent grain. Now, the fields down there, the watery fields, are abuzz with these moving uh, thopter-like bots, dozens of them, dozens of them that remind you of the great accomplishments your father had before you. The entire operation of being able to collect, grow even more of these kelp rice patties is all the brainchild of your father. And just looking at them, it's not like it brings resentment, but just the reminder that there are big shoes to fill and that you come from a long line of very brilliant halflings. And even then, the last of the fire goes out with a poof, leaving only light burning cinders. And all now that you see is the twinkle of stars. Bartixus looks around and uh, Bartholomew, where'd you go? You can come out now. Uh, the crowd's gone. Bartholomew. This lizard-esque bot comes coiling up out of the brush and raises its head up to you. Ah, there you are, buddy. Um, do you, uh, oh, hold on. Do you have my pipe? Where, 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 where did you put my pipe? The mouth opens. And then this tongue, this metallic tongue, unfolds. And it goes out about a foot. And at the very end, there's a pipe. Ah, thank you. Um, takes it and uh, the little uh, metal cap um, at the end of his glove uh, sparks and he uses the spark to light the pipe and uh, takes a couple of puffs. <sighs> well, well, buddy, we got, a, we got a lot of work to do today or tomorrow or tonight or <sighs> let's go home. A message runs across into your neural link from Bartholomew as you two are tightly connected. And it has some semblance of intelligence that you understand, even if it is at the very base level ones and zeros. What work do we have? <sighs> well, um, we need to go and harvest some of those, uh, more of that lichen that we found last week. Um, hopefully I can use it to, uh, Hopefully we can use it to filter out the last of the gas from the um, explosion we caused yesterday. Um, so I, I need to make sure that we uh, get on the townsfolk's, back in the townsfolk's good graces. Um, I, this is the last time that I've heard them threaten to dismantle you. They couldn't dismantle me if they tried. You would make sure that they can't. Uh, yes, I... I, I, I would never let any of them touch you, of course, but at the same time, we need to, we need to be on our best behavior. And uh, I mean, the, 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 these are our, our people. You know, we live here. We need to make sure that I'm tired of living on the fringes. I, after we, I mean, after we blew up the bar three months ago, I mean, I, uh, they blacklisted us from every, every, in, every every shop in town and we're having to go and harvest all of our own materials and it's it's wearing on me buddy i i'm tired 
My systems are operating at 78% efficiency because we haven't been able to get oil for a bath for my gears. Exactly. And unfortunately, they're not going to sell us oil until they can guarantee that it's not going to be used to blow something else up. Well, perhaps we should consider not harvesting the reddish-orange lichen this time. That only made the gas more noxious and smell like eggs last time. Uh, yeah, that was, um, I was a temporary lapse in judgment. I misidentified it. Um, I mean... I was looking, we were supposed to be looking for yellow-orange like and not the reddish-orange one, and it's, uh, it's an easy mistake to make, but not something that we can afford to make again. You set a reminder at the beginning of this week that every night I should let you know to put the decimal point at the right point in the equation and to double-check it at least three times so that you don't have an explosion. You reminded me just now that you shouldn't explode things. Does this mean that I need to remind you? No, I, I, th I think we're good. I, I, I think we're good for the evening. Let's let's try to get some rest, and then we'll uh, we'll head out first thing in the morning. It goes quiet, and then Barth Bartholomew just turns its head with a <laughs> bristles, lowers its back plate a little bit so that you can get on top. I, I scramble up onto his back, and slowly you guys start making your way out to your humble family abode. You move through forested paths that are uh, initially paved with good roads and the road eventually gives way to dirt paths and the dirt paths then give way to a slightly rougher hewn set of trails that were once kept well maintained by your family but given the loss of those in your lives who would have maintained it um and given your single-mindedness to the various pursuits you have, even that has begun to kind of become a little bit more shabby. So you pull your jacket a little bit closer so that it doesn't get snagged on some of the bushes quite as much. And eventually you come to your family abode. As you come up there, there's still some light on in the windows, uh, but there is a sense of warmth and happiness as you see it. And what do you, what is your family humble abode look like it is um it has clearly seen better days uh much like the path leading up um leading up to it it is a uh a short two-story building uh short given halfling size um there is a uh fr from the exterior um as a very simple square construction um, with three windows on the uh, the front face and uh, three windows uh, on the floor above. Um, attached to the west wall is a what is very clearly a shop space. Um, there are no windows, uh, a number of pipes that emerge from the roof, um, a couple of them emitting a tiny bit of uh, smoke. Um, and uh, there is a small, about foot and a half tall stone wall nothing to any of the taller people in town but uh you know waist high for artixis that encircles the house and uh the small garden that has also fallen to disrepair as you enter in there is a uh you're met by a series of smells that have pervaded the house from the workshop um, just various oils and gases and uh, mechanical lubricants. But it still claims much of the charm from your childhood days. I'm going to uh, first head into the shop and make sure the um, uh, I've got my alchemy supply set up um, slowly. Um, slowly preparing some uh, materials that I will need for my excursion tomorrow into the woods. Um, and I make sure that all of the burners are off and that the solutions are all properly um, properly set. And I remember Bartholomew telling me to double check everything three times. And so I do a quick lap three times around the shop, make sure everything's unplugged, everything's off. There's nothing on fire. Um, the uh, the roof of the shop has very clearly received a number of patches over the years. 
Um, and uh, once every once I'm confident everything is off, um, then I will uh, I will head to, to get some rest. What's go? What's going on, buddy? You should see this. You should see this. Oh, oh okay. I, I scurry down the stairs. You see him. You find him right up next to a divan, and he's looking out this window into the sky through a clearing. And you're not quite sure what it is that he's looking at. As you try to see anything, but you see a twinkling expanse. I want you to go ahead and make a perception roll. 13. Uh, that is 14. You just barely see at first this silvery line tracing across the night sky. And you're, you realize that it's a, it's a comet. It's almost like there's nothing really to think about, except that it's suddenly there is a bright light that goes off of it and pieces begin to fall as you realize that it's not just falling across the sky it's piercing the atmosphere i need you as you see these pieces coming off to roll a survival check 13. according to my calculations the piece of that asteroid is going to hit our property and it begins a countdown of the amount of minutes that it would take Oh god, oh god, oh god. Um, okay, um, Bartholomew, get, um... <sighs> can, you can, can you carry me onto the roof? Right away. Uh, I hop on his back. On Once you are on top, you start to get a better view, and you see that the main chunk of that asteroid is coming straight down towards what would be kind of the center of the village. Oh no. Oh no. Oh jeez, 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 jeez. Um, Alright, we need to get into town. We need to, I don't know if anybody else is awake right now. We need to warn them. Um, uh, Bartholomew, how, how long is it going to take to get us into town? According to my calculation, even at top speed, it is a 12 minute run. And we have... We have exactly 12 minutes. Oh no. Um, you said it's to the center of town? The center of town, crossing the trajectory with a point of reference, I guess would have to be the rice paddy field. Oh no. Um, I look around on the roof and I grab the little uh, radar dish that's uh, kind of hanging off the one corner um, and I unscrew it quickly um, and <coughs> get it on my shoulder. All right, we need to get into town now. I might be able to re I might be able to be able to rig this and, re and do something to prevent it from destroying the field, but we need to go now. With all meal, just nods its head with a <laughs> and it starts to take off. Go ahead and give me a athletics roll with Bartholomew stats. Um, that is seven. <laughs> and You've been working on the ability to move quickly and have various planes of motion involved as well as tracking, and it is not doing a great job with this new upgrade. And it it, it senses something the same way like a Tesla might sense something and alarms kind of go off and Bartholomew kind of freaks out in your head for a second. And you have to kind of like slow him down and get him to go around something. And it takes considerably longer at a faster speed. And you realize that moving down to a moderate pace is perhaps better. Oh no, we're not gonna make it in time. All right, um, oh geez, this sucks. Um, can you, are there any clearings uh, within the woods that would give me uh, sight of the um, 
sight of this falling object. Go ahead and make a perception check for clearing in the dark. Throw down my uh, goggles of night. You can do it with uh, advantage. Okay. Uh, 13. <laughs> you can see one, so you start heading towards it. The clearing opens. You scramble to the top of like a boulder that gives you somewhat like a three-fourths view of it. And got this little radar dish I grabbed off my roof. I'm going to try to make a arranged reduction beam. Try to reduce the size of this asteroid. Two minutes till impact. I need you to go ahead and make a tinkering check. That was an 11. You're just trying to put it together, but thankfully you always have extra parts in your robotics kit. And at disadvantage, you can try and do this one more time. 18. Your heart beating. You find yourself fueled with this passion to make it work and jury rig this thing together. But now Bartholomew's counting 20, 19, 18. I'm going to attempt to use this radar dish that I've jerry rigged to uh, reduce. Normally has a range of 30 feet. I'm going to attempt to extend the range uh, in order to try to shrink this asteroid before it hits the field. 18. You're, you feel the swell of these nanobots coming out, combining in a technomancy, wrapping around the dish, the dish then sending it out at a farther distance. And you just see this thin little line. It strikes into the side of whatever it is, kind of glows for a second. And then suddenly you feel the connection break just as this asteroid piece slams into the area where the rice paddy would be. And you feel it, the tremors in the ground. And then all of the trees kind of bow back with a And I need you to roll a perception roll. Seven. Just barely missing you to the side. There was a chunk that broke off that slams next to the boulder next to you with it. It ah. throws you off of it. I need you to make any sort of skill you would want to to avoid some form of damage. Can I use one of the charges on my armor of strength to stabilize myself? Yes. Okay. I will expend one charge and um, stabilizing pistons uh, come out of my uh, my greaves and anchor me to the, to the boulder. The boulder itself rocks, and for a second you're like, oh no, oh no, it's about to move, and then it settles. And slowly, everything goes quiet once more. Butterscotch. Um, all right, Bartholomew, we need, to get, we need to see what the damage is. Come on, we need to go now. I'm actually going to investigate um, the piece of uh, rock that fell next to me. As the smoke starts to clear, Go ahead, as you climb down into this blackened, charred little, not as big of a crater as you might've thought, like actually pretty small for what it is. And the first thing that you notice is the smell of like porous, like charred metal. And then you see a little bright blue spark with a <laughs> and then it fades off. You get closer and go ahead and make an investigation roll. 25. You see some form of like mechanical implements and right away, having studied so many different things, you recognize it for what it is. It is the side of the hole of an escape pod. What? I, oh no. Um... Uh, can I tell what the culture of origin it might be from? Yeah, go ahead and make a culture check. Uh, that is a natural one. What you find is just these kind of strange glyphs. They look heavily traced, um, almost as if something with claws, it would have originated from something with claws, and it's almost like runic. And it looked like it was part of some greater sentence structure or whatever, but part of it's also been just burned off. As far as where it could have come from, you don't know. And it's too its too small of a piece, and the other parts of it are too damaged to tell, like, what make and model this would have been. Oh, jeez. Um, okay. Bartholomew, we need to go. I, 
there might be somebody that may have been an escape pod. Somebody might be hurt. By the time you arrive to the village, there's already like people are out and gathered and you you see a lot of them like don't even pay you any heed, even riding Bartholomew. You see that there's the uh, village securities calming people down, saying that they're having a look at it, having a look at it. You can tell that people are scared. The reason you're scared is you follow someone's point. They're pointing not at the rice paddy field, but past it to where that shield wall was and the dam. You see that where it struck was this wall, and there's a big portion of it that has actually broken in and collapsed. Already water from the strait is beginning to pour into the rice paddy field. And as the water is beginning to hit a certain length on the rice paddy, the, the blooms at the top are beginning to open and actually expel the rice out as seeds now that it has been hit by its biological trigger. People are bemoaning the loss of their crop but also, you hear words. Hydra. Hydras. The Hydras are going to come. That's the only thing between us and the Hydras. And you know exactly what that means. Out in the great oceans of Balistar, specifically the Kashin Strait, it is a low enough oceanic trench that den of Hydras, these aquatic sea monsters, make their home. And... Given the chance these predatory creatures can come up for short distances onto shores, and it has been known for them to hunt people. Now the security forces are calming people down, and you can see that there are there's there's some of them who are even now shining floodlights on the area where it presumably hit, where you can see like even now parts of the wall kind of crumbling in. I'm going to uh, direct Bartholomew forward um, to try to address one of the, uh, the security detail. So you <clears throat> you recognize him. The name is Bergata Kimimoto. Never been a mean person to you, but never quite been nice. Looks at you. Tattoos run all along the left side of the face. Not now. Uh, Mr. Mr. Kimimoto, I need to see what the damage is. I'm the only person who could possibly repair that. You? No, no, no. I have my orders. You need to stay here. Especially if Hydras are going to be coming in. Now, I have a security detail out there trying to get an, an idea, survey it, as well as keep an eye on it. Now, the last thing we need is for something else to happen out there. Whether by your hand or to you. I'm doing this for you, son. Is there, is, is there anything I can do? I, again, I'm the only person who can repair those systems. Go ahead and make a persuasion roll. 19, actually. The force in with which you look at him and tell him that, then the pure honesty gives him pause. Look, I've never had a problem with you. All right? But Artixis, you have to understand. There are many people who think that you don't have the gifts of your father or your grandfather. And I... I'm not one to begrudge a man who's learning, but I wouldn't want anything to come down on my head. Okay? Now, if you truly think that you can fix the dam that your father built, or you could look at the extent and come up with a way to fix it, and ideally without us having to go to the Kashin family, then that would be great. But you better do it while my men aren't looking. Looks at you with a hard gaze and then turns his back so that you can walk by. Thank you, Mr. Kimimoto. Um, Bartholomew, I, I need to walk for this. We, we're, we, we, we need to go quietly. Stealth mode activated, and it gets a little bit lower. 
the trees that kind of surround the bay, uh, do I have a reasonable uh, stealthy, stealthy approach that I could take up to the uh, up to the barricade? Or I want you to, as you are looking around and surveying, I want you to first make a survival roll to get a lay of the land. Uh, Ten. Let's say you find a reasonable passage. So go ahead to roll a stealth roll. Thirteen. Every once in a while, some of the lights kind of like shine your direction, but it always just seems, luck seems to be on your side. And you can't help but like wonder if maybe this is your chance to show something that you, you have what it takes. And there's a little bit of that excitement in you, but you continue pushing on unseen. Once you start getting closer though, within about 20 feet, you can see that there are about four security detail people who are standing at the bottom of where this wall has like collapsed in. They already have these like servo bots who are out trying to hold back some of the tide of water, but it is normally the water flow would be right about at the knees. It is a little bit higher than their belly button. And you can see them shining these lights, not out in past the wall, but down. And I need you to go to make a perception roll. And 18. Did you look at this crater? This thing went deep. And you you can kind of just see a patch of the water that they're shining is not quite as light a blue where some of the other lights are hitting. It is a dark, dark blue. And you are able to surmise that wherever this escape pod hit, it probably burrowed deep into the ground. There is every so once in a while, like a light bubble that kind of comes up from this crater and the security detail go back to kind of talking with each other, either about like keeping an eye out for the hydras, but also trying to look at the extent of the damage, which even now some of the damn wall is sparking a little bit. Because of the route that you took to get there, you would have had to travel up along the coastline around and then kind of up onto the wall. So you are, let's say about 40 feet up above them. Are any lights, any of the floodlights being shined on top of the wall to where I am? Not where you are, no. Um, what about like where the gap is? Not yeah. as not as high up where you are. Do I see any, do I see any reasonable uh, path that I could use to get to the damaged portion of the wall to try to assess it? Yes, you do. It's like chunky. You could climb down in terms of a path. Hmm. Some of it sloped, some of it you would have to climb. Oh, jeez. Um, what do you think, Bartholomew? I don't know if we can make it over there to assess the damage while all the guards are still here, but I mean, waiting till the morning isn't a good idea. No, I mean, all, 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 I mean, by the by the time morning comes, half half of the crop is going to be destroyed. Boom. That's that's like. Ooh, ooh. That's literally what Mr. Kimimoto just said not to do. Oh, Hydra. Well, yes, I mean, we need to prevent the Hydras from uh, for, from coming, but... Oh, geez. Um, okay, well, I mean, we could... We could make a small boom, very small one, as a distraction. But if we get caught, then, uh, I mean, you know they're going to run us out of town. I run fast. I, I I know you do, buddy, but I'm, I I kind of like having a roof over our head to sleep in. <laughs> um, but I I don't see any other way around this. Um, okay. Use my pyrotechnics. Um, you said that there are sections of the wall that were sparking. I did. Um, could I um. Could I use pyrotechnics to uh, create a, um, one of the things I can do with it is create smoke. Could I generate smoke off of the sparking areas of the wall? I would say very likely. If you do that, I would do it as a interfacing check, more so like timing it quickly with the spark. All right. Um... <sighs> okay, I thought you smoke canister. Again, a section of the mouth opens, and out comes a canister. All right, this is gonna be a lot. This is this is gonna be a tough one, but all right. Um, I lick my finger and hold it up to 
see, uh, f f feel the wind direction and uh, tie a little uh, bit of rope around it, uh, like a sling, and and I try to I try to hurl the smoke canister at a uh, uh, at one of the sparks. Twenty six. And immediately the nanobots go and swarm around it, coming out of the canister, and the canister hits the spark. And it, it creates like a teeny tiny light that no one notices. And then the whole host of smoke that goes. <laughs> and it, it covers the area where these security detail is. Hey, hey, what, what is that? I can't All see. I gotta go now, buddy. You make an athletics check. 14. He makes it down, but it's kind of, because he's going fast as the scrambling and the rocks coming off. And immediately you then hear voices from the, from the smoke cloud go, Hydra, there's a Hydra out there. Stop, cease your fire, we can't see. And the smoke is slightly beginning to become a little bit clear. You imagine you have a handful of moments to make your assessment. I am going to use, um, I'm gonna use my robotics tools and see if I can quick uh, get a sense of like what's, what vital systems have been destroyed and what needs to be fixed. Dirty 20. You start taking in the extent of the damage and you start then copying it into your neural link. And you begin to summarize what you would need, what parts you would need. And while it will require manpower, it can be done. There is a quick pause as you finish and the back of your neck kind of tingles as you look and you see on the wall, a thumbprint, a small halfling thumbprint. It was your father's signature whenever he did a job well done. And then you hear a bubbling. It's coming from the water near you where this crater hole goes out a little bit and the bubbling is getting a little bit bigger. There's even more sounds of retreat, retreat. It's a Hydra. Train your weapons on the smoke cloud. Fire when we're out. I need you to make a perception roll as your your eyes are now looking down. Nice. You can't quite make out what is causing that, that bubbling. I want you to make a biology check now. That is a natural 20. You know from your studies of the local flora and fauna and <clears throat> all manner of living things in this area that Hydra's don't breathe underwater before they're about to attack something. There are no other that you know of predators that would come up this far into shallow waters. It is something that you would have no idea about. And then you suddenly feel as if you are hearing the sound of like water sloshing. But it's like water sloshing around words. If you've ever been underwater and someone's tried to speak, it almost sounds like that kind of muted words. And then the bubbling grows and jettisoned water fires up at you. It is already beginning to lift you and Bartholomew up. I'm not on Bartholomew's back at this point because I had to get off to do the assessment. So I'm going to do an acrobatics check and Bartholomew is going to try to do an athletics and scuttle out of the way. Acrobatics for me is a 14. Athletics for Bartholomew is nine. <laughs> you managed to move out of the way, kind of like scrambling up onto the wall a little bit. This geyser thing of water shoots straight up. It catches Bartholomew and fires him high up into the sky. I need him to use a dexterity saving throw. Dirty 20. The claws extend. He grabs onto the side of the wall with a Artixis. 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 It's all right, buddy. I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, can you see anything in the geyser? And roll a perception roll for Bartholomew. That is an 18. You feel through your neural link connection, these images being snapped through Bartholomew's lenses. And then they're slowly being like uploaded into your neural link, but you don't have the time to go through it as this volley of energy bolts start piercing this thinning 
veil of smoke. Two of the bolts come flying at you, a handful of them strafe wide out into the opening as the security guard is firing at what they think is a Hydra. Bartholomew, we need to get out of here. And I'm gonna start making my way back towards the wall where we scrambled down to try to get up and out. Um, and while I do this, I pull a capsule off of my belt and throw it down at my feet. Um, and I'm casting shield uh, to increase my AC by five. And basically a bubble. And then the Goes. bolt hits and it ricochets off of it. You are now starting to climb up the wall. The smoke is beginning to thin and you can actually see rough shapes of the security guards kind of coming back in. On my mark! And someone then says, wait, what? What is that? All right, maneuver 17. We're doing this now. We got to get out of here. And I'm going to cast Expeditious Retreat. <laughs> so Expeditious Retreat, uh, the spell allows you to move at an incredible pace. When you cast the spell and then as a bonus action on each of your turns until the spell ends, you can take the dash action. So Bartholomew cries out over your Neuralink connection. Activating! And you can even see some of the nanobots going around, not only just you, but him as well, kind of going around the feet, giving it a little bit more oomph. You can go ahead and make an athletics check as you try to climb up to Bartholomew's tail and make it with advantage because of Expeditious Retreat. Natural 20. You scramble up. Bartholomew's tail wraps around you with a kick, 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 pulls you up onto his back. All right, punch it, buddy. Punching it. And then <laughs> Bartholomew makes its way with you up to the top of the wall and out of view, just as the smoke clears and you can see everybody down below trying to figure out what was going on. <laughs> at the top of the wall you finally behind the cover of some small trees that were growing on the very top get a chance to review what bartholomew sent you through the neural link what you see is the image of what looks like the shape of a humanoid figure except there is only like a rough shape of a head and arms but the bottom is almost like kind of like a cyclone without legs it looks like rushing water that is moving around a body no it's, take that back actually it looks like a body made of water no it's like living water and its eyes look directly up at bartholomew and held in its hand is a small kind of grayish medallion with some sort of like fragment of a crystal or shard in it. You look at the picture closer. I need you to make a perception roll. 17. You see the image of all manner of aquatic beasts as you kind of zoom in on that photo. And it's all like emblazoned along the sides of this medallion. Fish, hydra, whales, sharks. And you hear the noise of someone below one of the security guards going, they're coming. You look out over the wall, out towards the strait, and you can see these ridged form moving across the surface of the water with these spikes in the back. And you would know that that's the back of a hydra. And then out of the water pop up these one head, two head, three heads attached to a long serpentine-like body. And then the heads move back under the water with a But that's not all you see. You see more fish than you've ever seen in your life moving towards the center of that wall. Fish that should not belong in schools, or at least no school like this moves in this area, but it's almost like a mass moving through the other strait towards this. The security force, they let out this torrent of flames off of these flame boosters off the bottom of, of their weapons. And it seems to deter the hydras then comes up with this wall of flame that the heads move up out of the water with this predatorial knowing, sink back in, and then move off into the distance. 
And for a moment, it seems like there's a little piece that comes this night. A generally pretty good idea on how to fix the dam and move forward. Run that. I don't think I've run that fast since we blew up the bar. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, all right, all right, buddy. We, the, I think the security details probably got the uh, the, the, the wall defense. I, we we should head back to the shop and, and analyze analyze the notes we took. See what all we need to get this wall repaired. I think we'll we'll we'll. we'll Oh man, we've got a long night ahead of us. I think we need, we need to present this information to the town first thing in the morning. And then when we're heroes, I can get an oil bath. Ah, you are gonna get all the oil baths you could ever want, buddy. Don't even worry about it. And you guys slink off into the darkness. And with that, I think we will call that a prologue chapter for Artixis and Bartholomew. And we can't wait to see how it unfolds once everyone is in the studio together. Ooh. <laughs> that was awesome. That was pretty fun. That, that was, was pretty fun. awesome, man. So. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers.